praise, honor, beauty, the height of achievement, prosperity, fame. These are the ways we view glory. If we are glorified, it is generally thought of as this joyful, prestigious state of being. And there's a powerful status connected to the word. Glory is often something we seek. Rulers, athletes, business persons, religious leaders, pick any vocation, and you will find those who seek glory. And while glory may be attainable, it's not permanent. Oftentimes, those are exposed who seek glory as arrogant, difficult, self-centered, or even foolish. One of my favorite poems is called Ozymandias by Percy Bysshe Shelley. It reads, I met a traveler from an antique land who said, two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip of sneer and cold command tell that its sculptor well those passions read, which yet survive, stamped on these lifeless things, the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. And on the pedestal these words appear, My name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Nothing beside remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. The glory, the power of Ozymandias was an illusion. It did not stand the test of time. Nothing remains of that monument except some ruins and the sneer, the cold command that this person brought himself to glory with. Today we hear the words of Jesus, and he is talking about glory. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. The time has come for God's glorification. Father, glorify your name. Only what Jesus is talking about is unlike anything we could possibly want for ourselves or for our loved ones, and unlike anything that we would associate with glory. Jesus is talking about allowing himself to be humiliated, beaten, and killed. And Jesus sees this as the way forward, sacrifice. Surely this is counterintuitive to those who are with Jesus, enough so that they probably do not understand what he is talking about. And adding to that confusion is the talk about seeds and plants. However, Jesus knows that people are coming to see him. Not only the Jews, but now the Gentiles. And if they want to see him, then they have to see him as he truly is. The one who came to live in obedience to the will of the creator. The one who comes to reconnect God's people to God. By living and expressing love. God's love for all people. 
Now, when we hear the phrase, Jesus died for our sins, this follows the idea that Jesus bought us freedom from the world of sin and death through his own death. Or we might think that Jesus was a substitute paying the price for our sins rather than us paying ourselves. In these cases, Jesus is more of a victim. These, these models are models that have been around for a long time, and they work for people. But there are other possibilities. And the Gospel of John does not go into this model of substitution or ransom. It just doesn't go there. Because in John, Jesus is in control of his own actions. He's a willing participant. He perceives the pain and the brutality that lies ahead. And although his soul is troubled, he does not ask to be saved from this hour. Rather, he forges ahead willingly as an expression of obedience to God, a love of God. He continues out of this deep love for all people, a deep, devoted love. When I was 22 years old, a friend of mine nicknamed Barney died in an auto accident. And he was only 21. And it was a painful experience for my friends and for me, and of course, for his family. Barney's mother was very strong and comforted us through that week as we all mourned. And then the day of the viewing at the funeral home which was close to my house. I got there early because the proximity was so close. It wasn't intentional. And so when I got there, I arrived at a, a moment of private viewing for the family. They didn't know I was there. And then I saw something that's been etched in my mind ever since. I saw my friend's mother in utter grief. She broke down at her son's coffin I want him back, she screamed, in hysterical tears. I want him back. It was so painful to watch. But I knew at that moment it did not matter what my friend had done in his lifetime. It didn't matter what wrong he had done. It didn't matter what difficulties he presented for his mother along the way. It didn't matter how the accident happened or that it was his fault. And just, she just wanted him to have life. She wanted him to have a chance at having happiness, to have a chance at being in fruitful relationships, to have a chance at experiencing love. I believe she would have done anything to prevent his death. And I'm sure that she would have traded places with him that night, even if it meant her fatal end. Because her life didn't matter. Barney's life did. That was the depth of her love. Her life didn't matter. All that mattered at that point was a chance for her son. And that's the kind of love we experience in Jesus. Jesus knows he's going to suffer. He knows we are going to demand his blood. He knows he's going to be raised up on the cross. No matter our mistakes, no matter all the wrong we have done, Jesus 
is willing to meet our demands and is willing to participate in that demand in order to prove how much he loves us, in order to prove he is from God. The word becomes flesh, weak human flesh, and is committed to restoring humanity to God. God is self-giving, life-giving, and eternal. That love is the glory, the glory of God. That love is the real beauty and the greatest of achievements. It's a deep, permanent love that will not be erased over time. We all have a deep longing for acceptance and love, and we find that love in God through Jesus. We find a God who's committed to us, who wants to be with us, who brings us healing, who suffers with us and for us, and gives us life. Those who usurp God's rule, who trample on the weak, who exalt themselves, will not succeed. In a world full of self-glorification, the glory of God in Christ shines through. That's the real glory. That is the glory of God. That is why so many respond to Jesus. That's why so many respond with worship, with praise and thanksgiving. And that is why so many respond in how they express their lives, lives in love. People are drawn to Christ because of the cross. And then they become restored in God. We have the opportunity to respond too. We can continue to reshape our lives and participate in the body of Christ, bringing forth that love, that glory into the world. We bring in real glory, lasting glory, restoring relationships, bringing reconciliation. The hour is upon us. Soon Jesus will be raised on the cross, and we will demand it. And then our hearts will break. But that moment will be changed into a moment of glory. And it demands our response. The fruit of that moment, the fruit of the work of Christ, is when we draw near to Christ and continue to bring about that reconciliation and restoration into the world. We continue to bring in that love into our relationships, bring God's love into the broken hearts all over the world.